I'm Maria Schwartz, along with my co-hosts, Rachel Galligan and Gabe Ibrahim, and welcome to the Windsider Show, where it's all about the W. Today, we're talking free agency grades, part two. show please consider joining our patreon community for less than a cup of coffee a month you can directly show support for the hard work we do covering the w we're talking free agency grades part two obviously you listened to our last episode because no one missed it uh and now we're hopping in to the second half of the league gabe take it away uh thanks Arya. so um i think two things need to be laid out uh before we get into the discussion like i said in part one like i said in the article the way these grades were given were um, determining what a team's goals are and then figuring out how much closer they got to those goals with their moves that they made in this free agency period. So most of the time, the team's goal is to win the 2020 WNBA championship. Uh, in some cases, that's not true. And where that is not the case, I will let you know. But it's with their goals coming into free agency. Did they complete them? And how did they uh, deal with the circumstances of this free agency period. That's where their first, their grade comes from. And then uh, as far as my cap space numbers, they come from my own projections using, you know, a bunch of different resources that we have out there for um, cap figures like Hypo Soups, Spotrack, a um, few other people that are reporting uh, numbers. Really appreciate that. That all goes into my spreadsheet. And then I look at it as to how cap space is looking at this exact moment with contracts that are signed and some assumptions baked in for draft picks for example where i know a team's going to keep a draft pick like we'll come to new york in their cap projections the first overall pick is projected into their cap despite it not being despite that player not being there so uh that's how i view cap space that's where the grades come from so we will start with the los angeles sparks uh so the sparks in my opinion had the best uh, free agency period of any team and they get an a because they their goal was to coming in was to win the 2020 championship. I think first thought, the first priority that they needed to accomplish was uh, re-signing Chelsea Gray. They did that. She signed a one-year max. Next year, she'll be uh, eligible for the Supermax. They got Christy Tolliver from Washington in a somewhat shocking move. Uh, signed her to a three-year max, which, you know, I took off points because Tolliver is a little bit older, but she really had her best year last year, and she hasn't slowed, um, she hasn't slowed down. Uh, she's just getting a little older. And then they they also brought in Brittany Sykes, Marie Gulich for Kalani Brown, which I thought was an amazing trade that we've talked about on this podcast. Um, I, I love Brittany Sykes. I think she brings a lot. She will need to get paid next year. But again, goal is to win a championship this year, and she's really going to help them. And then uh, they brought back Tierra Ruffin-Pratt. And then the coup de grace was uh, bringing over Simone Augustus um, from Minnesota and kind of a, a shocker move that, you know, even if it doesn't, even if Simone isn't, the Simone we know, if she has anything left in the tank, she's going to really help this team coming off the bench, I believe. Um, so that was their acquisitions, their departures, where Alana Beard retiring. She struggled to stay on the court last year. Great to see her um, you know, go out and, and enjoy the next phase of her life. But for Los Angeles, that's definitely a big loss. They lost Alexis Jones and Marina Mayberry. Um, 
And they also lost Kalani Brown. But really, when you look at it, they brought in Christy Tolliver, they re-signed Chelsea Gray, and they brought in Simone Augustus. Those are three moves that pushed them so close to the title that, to me, they are the favorites. So to me, they get an A, especially after the end of the season that they had last year. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, I'll go first on this one. Uh, I give them an A also. Made positive moves to bring them closer to a championship. I, I We could obviously debate if we think Connecticut or them are closer to it. Um, and I think for obvious different reasons. But nothing that, that comes out of a free agency grade. Nothing that came out of free agency except steps that I believe brought them closer. Yes, they lost a few young players uh, that had some growth opportunity. But besides that, I mean, they, they gained better players. Uh, and they put themselves in a better position to win a championship. Now, um, obviously, this isn't exactly something that we'll talk about in this episode. But for me, I'm looking now and going, okay, it, it, you know, if if Fisher can't get it done with this roster, you got a lot of questions about what he's doing as a coach in this league. Obviously, uh, he's already had the spotlight on him uh, during his tenure as a coach in this league, and I'm sure that's not going to change this coming year. Uh, but it, it, but I do agree with you completely that th- this is a team that. Uh, that made positive steps towards winning a championship. Rachel, your thoughts? Yeah, it's really hard to knock, you know, the Los Angeles Sparks in their offseason. I mean, it's been, they've made probably, arguably, the most noise in terms of just, one, the volume of moves, and then two, um, the names that they've been able to acquire this offseason. I mean, it's just been really an aggressive free agency period, which I love. Um, the way things ended in 2019, you know, it, it it was unfortunate because we know how talented this this Sparks roster is, but you know there was some drama and there was a little bit of locker room question mark issues. And I think you really address these concerns. Um, you know, we're not going to get into the front office. They're still not. Te- they're still technically not a GM um, that's been hired since Penny Toller was let let go. But really aggressive moves in terms of just locker room and leadership. Um, we talk about Chelsea Gray. Obviously, she's dynamic. She's explosive. She's so fun to watch and one of the probably the funnest players to watch in, in the league, but you bring back Christy Tolliver, who's experienced an experienced vet. She's won championship. She's experienced with this franchise and these, her, these teammates. Uh, and you bring in Simone Augustus. So, you know, we could talk about that at length in terms of her career and, and, and the, uh, the presence that those two will bring from a locker room, um, you know, standpoint, I have to imagine has to be a huge shot in the arm for a team that had a lot of question marks and obviously a team that has, the most talent on the roster. I mean, it, it, like you said, if if they're not able to go be up in the front lines of this then in contention in 2020, I'm, I'm going to be completely shocked because, um, yeah, they just – I think they made all the moves they needed to make, and I think an A is exactly warranted. Well, I think the other the, – the part that you guys both mentioned is that kind of this is the year. That's 100% true. I mean, they, they have to get it done in 2020. Um, they have a lot of people that are going to be free agents next year. Uh, basically, everyone I mentioned besides Tierra Ruffin Pratt and Christy Tolliver are not have no don't have a contract going uh, after this season. So it's going to be tough to retain this team or even the core of this team after this year. So this is what they did this offseason was they went all in on 2020, saying 2020 is the year that we are going to win the WNBA championship. If they do not win the WNBA championship. Or get close. I mean, I think if you get to the finals and you lose, how much can you how much can you say, well, we, we didn't make the right moves? But if they don't get close and if they are kind of the team that was up and down from last year, then I think we look back on this offseason and say, wow, maybe this wasn't the right moves. Maybe they weren't so ready to 
uh, go in for a championship and they, they, you know, gave away a lot of their young players. So, so this is a really big bet on 2020 for me. That's a, that's a positive sign because as a front office, I think when you have a chance to win a title, you have to go after that title. These chances don't come by every, so they only come by rarely. So you got to go all in when you can. And they went all in. So, you know, next, next off season, we could be having a different discussion at this time, but for now, this is such a huge win for them. All right, let's move on to uh, the Minnesota Lynx game. All right, Minnesota. Uh, so we, we were glowingly positive about um, L.A. Unfortunately, we have to be glowingly negative. I guess glowingly is not the right term there. Uh, about Minnesota, I gave them a D. Um, I pro- Honestly, I, I probably came off a little bit harsher than I, I wanted to because I was watching that uh, Instagram video of Simone being really upset that she left Minnesota. Um, so I may have been a little harsh in my writing, but I, I stand the grade is uh, what I think they deserve. They get a D. Um, their goal coming into this offseason um, was to win the 2020 championship. And we know that because they went after some really, really big stars. They went after Skylar Diggins-Smith. They went after Christy Tolliver. They went after Dewana Bonner and then decided, well, the price to pay for those stars was just too much. And, you know, that I think that's a fine calculation to make. I, I think that's um, definitely something that's valid, especially when you consider the roster construction of this team trends more towards building around Nafisa Collier um, and and their younger players rather than trying to go for that title. So, um, but they, they, they came in with the goal of trying for that 2020 title. And then after not getting those players, they lost the best or at least the most important player in franchise history in Simone Augustus. Um, you know, she didn't want to leave. Her feelings were hurt. It, it's just not something that you ever want to happen as a team, especially when you have that star that defines you. And, you know, these things are so fickle uh, with free agents that it's tough. It's tough to navigate. Um, but it is a failure, to, I think, to lose someone like Simone, especially when you didn't really do anything to replace her or use that cap space um, to, to, to make the team better. I mean, Rachel Bannum's a good player. Uh, well, Rachel Bannum can be a good player. Last year, she really struggled. Um, but she, you know, they, they brought her over and it cost them a 2021 second round pick and $203,000 in cap space that it's not protected but you're expecting her to be on the, on the team for those two years or else why would they bring her in? Um, so to me, that's also a negative. They let Danielle Robinson go, which is pretty neutral. Once you realize that this team is not a 2020 contender, uh, especially given Robinson struggles over the past couple of years in, um, in Minnesota, uh, but they did, they did some good things. So they brought back Chechi Zendelicini, um, who to me is going to be a star. Uh, maybe not next year, but hopefully in the future, if she can stay in the W and get the minutes that she needs, I think she can be an offensive star. I think she can do um, so much for this offense and really open them up in ways that they needed last year. Uh, and they did save cap space for next year. Um, you know, it's not the sort of gobs of cap space that you you think of when you think of teams like bringing in like three or four big free agents, but they can get up they can get up to a lot of cap space to bring in free agents and get an idea of what this team is going to be um, after working with Chechi and Fee and Lexi Brown and Jessica Shepard and seeing how all those pieces fit. They'll have a better idea next year to go after some free agents. So they get some points for saving the cap space. 
big points for bringing back Zandalasini, but to me, it's still a D. I mean, when you lose when you lose a player like Simone Augustus and you don't um, get anyone better or any sort of replacement, that's just uh, to me, it's just a failure. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Uh, I'm not even gonna. I'm not, I'm not gonna get in my feelings or go too deep in this <laughs> one. Um, they the only positive move in my mind was CC Zandalasini, aka Zandy. Um, yeah, I like. <laughs> That, that's the only everything else was kind of just like a we have to fill roster spots like i'm not trying to hate on rachel madam she's got a lot to prove um they lost their on-court coach and it's just gonna be yeah i mean the, I, like the the only argument that that they deserve a better grade is if you're gonna say oh because they tried to get these other players or oh because at a certain point they decided that the best way to get the 2020 championship uh, would be just kind of going all in in the current roster and hoping that your players grow. Not that I see that happening, but uh, yeah, so D for me also. Rachel? Yeah, I, I have no nothing to argue against anything you guys have said, so I'm not going to be too long-winded with this. I do think a win for Minnesota in the offseason was the hiring of Katie Smith. I think that's a great... Um, yes, good point, good staff. point. Yeah, I think that's a great addition to the staff. That's a great fit. I'm excited to see what she brings to the table. Um, a lot of question marks with Rachel Bannon for me. Um, and, and maybe it, it's just something in terms of just fit and opportunity. Um, I think it's a great move for her. She's going to get an opportunity in Minnesota back home. Like the move that the move itself is exciting. You know, that that's a player that coming out of NCAA had a big name, has a big following of, of fans. And so from that perspective, I think it's a win, but, um, from a, from a playing perspective, she has a lot to prove. Um, I think it's a great opportunity for her and, um, hopefully she gets a chance to really shine in that that system. But I agree, you know, Zandalasini is the future of this league if she can stay in it and, and stay happy with what she's doing. But um, you know, the loss of Simone Augustus was was really sad. You know, just a sad situation. Uh, I think probably across the board, I could probably speak for both parties involved. So um, I give him a D. Really, nothing else to say besides that. Yeah, and again, this is this is another thing. Just like what we like what I said with the Sparks, we could come back here next February. And, you know, Minnesota signed three of the biggest free agents and Nafisa Collier is an MVP and Chachi Lizandosini is, you know, all WNBA or all improved or something. Um, and we, we have a much different tone, but I think for, for what they were trying to accomplish coming into the free agency period, um, they just didn't, they weren't able to do it. And, you know, I, I think that's not something that's, uh, that's that debatable at this point. Um, but, you know, I think it'll be fine in Minnesota in the long term. All right. Moving on, we're going to move to New York. Um, New York, for me, got a C+. Uh, and to, what I said was, you know, their grade is still incomplete. They have the Tina Tar Charles situation. They have Rashawn DeGray and um, Nayo Rankok Ekunwe. I got to learn how to pronounce everyone's name better. Um, but they have those, they have the Tina Charles situation hanging out there. They have those two reserve free agents that uh, were a big part of their team last year and can be a big part of their team growing, going forward. Um, so it's not, this is kind of an incomplete grade, but I think it's a C plus for bringing in uh, Marine Johannes on a two-year contract. That's a huge win. Usually you see reserved um, players, you know, just take the minimum deal or take a training camp deal and come for one year. Um, but New York really believes in Marine. Uh, I think I see a lot of, you know, like we were talking about Chechi. It, it's that these Euro these young European players who have been pros for a long time, they really understand how to play the game. They can come in and make an immediate impact, and that's exactly what Marine did last year. She was one of the best um, spot-up shooters in the league as a rookie. 
Um, so that's a huge plus for me. Um, I was more neutral on the Laisha Clarendon signing. Um, at first, I thought it was a bit much. But then, you know, as you see other contracts go out around the league, that seems like the average price for um, an average player. And certainly, Laisha has been better than an average player, but she's also been somewhat of a zero when she can't play. And last year, she had a freak foot injury. She's dealt with other injuries in the past. But, you know, she, she's still pretty young. So I, I'm... I'm not uh, as out on that contract as I was once we saw other players get the contracts they got. And on, you know, whatever Lace is going to bring on the court, she's definitely going to bring a lot off the court as well um, to mentor their players, um, their young players on this team, as this team is still in a rebuilding process. So they, they get a C plus because they just, it's incomplete so far. We got to see what happens with Tina Charles. Uh, we got to see what happens with those reserve free agents. And of course, we have to see what happens in the draft. They have the number one pick in the draft. And that's going to define a lot of their offseason and their um, season, generally. So it, it, we, we're, we're still in a sort of incomplete mode with New York because of what they have. In, incomplete or not incomplete, I'm, I'm dropping them to a D, my man. Uh, I, I just, like, yeah, I like the Marine Johannes uh, signing. Other than that, like, did they do anything? You know what I mean? Like, I, I view them in the same boat as the Lynx. Uh, not necessarily that I'm saying that they were in talks of trying to, you know, they maybe missed the swing on some big-name stars. I just don't see them taking any real steps, any viable steps closer to a championship. Obviously, getting the first-round pick, I, I or sorry, the first pick in the draft, I kind of just, like, chalk that up to, okay, you better get someone good, otherwise it's a bust. And I think we all know who they're going to get. For me, yeah, I, I just view this as a as a situation D. Um, for me, um, I feel a little bit differently. I, I, I'm going to give him a B. Um, it, right. I was a little bit critical, kind of like, what are we doing? What? But when I when I stepped back and I really took an aerial view of kind of um, you know what what's what's going on here in New York. One, I I think there's a lot of off the court factors that are really exciting. It's a great time to be a part of a lot of change, new coaching staff, um, you know, in this, this roster has a lot of potential in terms of you talk about Asia Durr, you talk about the number one pick. Um, I love Johannes. I mean, she's, we, we, we have not talked about her a lot. Um, we kind of talked about her a lot towards the end of the, the season last year, but she does some things that nobody else can do in this league, in my opinion. And maybe that's just the, international lover in me but i i love i really really love her i mean i think that that re-signing within itself was a huge win um and i i just see so much potential in her and honestly clarendon i mean you know i i've been kind of hard on her um but it's kind of the same thing with bantam it's like an opportunity um and where where is your experience and where is the type of player you know you are mentally between your ears needed and it's a perfect fit new york with you know, it's obvious that they're going to go a very young route. Um, at least it, that that's kind of the the perception I'm getting with some of you know, the first round pick and kind of building around Durr and some of these younger players that they're going to build around. So bring, bring in a veteran and, and an on-court general and a leader um, that can really help guide and lead this team on and off the court in the locker room. All those things are huge. And she's one of the best in the, in the WNBA about that. So that's a huge win within itself. Um, you know, Bria Hartley, I think it well, that was a, a good decision for both parties. Um, probably really exciting for her to get a new opportunity and was, felt like it was kind of stale there uh, with the Liberty. So I kind of like that decision to not um, re-sign her. But 
still huge question mark with Team Charles. I mean, obviously that's the elephant in the room. Um, you know, lots of trade talk with her, but nothing has been able to be set in stone. I don't know if it's going to be something like, you know, the Liz Cambage situation where we were really, really late into, you know, the free agency season when, when we finally got that deal done. But um, it's entirely possible that she stays in New York. It's entirely pro- entirely possible that she's traded. Uh, so we're just going to have to wait and see with that one. But I'm not as hard on New York because I, I don't look at this as like this is a team that's trying to win a championship this year. This is, a this is one, a new staff um, getting their arms wrapped around kind of what's going on. Um, this, this, some of these young players building, you know, like a, like a three-year plan type of perspective. And these, these were just kind of the first couple of moves with it. And I like them, not overly aggressive, nothing mind blowing or, you know, um, going to blow the like roof off or anything. But I do think at least at this point, um, really solid moves and, and solid moves to build around. Right. And I totally agree with all that. And the, I did want, I forgot to mention the Bria Hartley passing on Bria Hartley. I mean, Obviously, she was a big part of what they did last year. She's a really good player, but at the contract that she got, she just didn't make any sense for them, especially because they'll have a ton of cap space um, next year. They'll, they'll have a ton of cap space next year to go bring in, you know, whatever veterans that they think need to be on this team, and especially once we see uh, whoever their first round, whoever their first overall pick is, uh, we have to see how that how she fits in um, and who wants to potentially play around her and who makes sense around her. Um, but Ari, I did want to ask you, you know, what what was the alternative for New York? Because the reason I gave Minnesota a worse grade than New York was because there was a clear alternative in Minnesota, which was, you know, bringing back Simone, not trading that second over that second round pick for Rachel Bannum, you know, and 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 if they had if really if they had kept the status quo more and just not done anything, I would have given them a better grade because. I really like Chechi, you know, I really like, um, I'd really like their, their young core, but they lost a piece of themselves in New York. That hasn't happened yet. And I think losing Tina Charles would be very different um, than losing Simone Augustus because they're probably going to get something back for Tina. That's, that's valuable for their future. So to me, I just want to know what you thought was some of the other moves they could have made to get a better grade. I mean, first of all, I'll argue that uh, Tina Charles is a lot more left in the tank than Simone Augustus, just as far as like giving day in and day out contributions uh, to the team. And I know right. the advanced stats folks will will argue about that or it, not be so happy about that. For me, it's just like I don't see that I didn't see them take any steps forward. Um, something that I was always really hard on Katie Smith, which Rachel, I do agree that it's a great signing uh, for Minnesota to get her back uh, in the blue and green. But I do think that, you know, in the same way I was hard on Katie Smith, I'm going to be hard uh, on Walt and, 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 on, uh, and on Jonathan, where it's just, you know, it boils down to me, are you taking steps to get closer to a championship this coming season? And I don't think they did. Uh, no, you can definitely flip it and argue that, oh, well, short of re-signing any of the big superstars, what can you do? Um, but I would argue that there are a good amount of middle-of-the-pack players, like, for me, re-signing players doesn't give you as big a boost in the grading um, as it would be to bring in somebody else, especially just with how this team played last year. No, yeah, and I, I just, I, I also didn't think that their goal coming into this year was, and coming into this free agency period was to to bolster that twenty twenty title odds. I thought it was to, you know, bolster their, their down the road odds of winning a title because this team is so young. Um, 
But, you know, I, I, get, I understand that, that resigning players is just kind of not, uh, it's not as big of a move necessarily because you're, you're keeping the status quo. No, so I understand a, that. Those are great points, Arya. Great points. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, that. like, also, especially, like, when you're talking about reserve players, too. Like, players that you basically have right of refusal on, like, that just knocks it right. a little bit more. I mean, I don't get me wrong. Big fan of MJ. Big fan. Um, and, and I agree with everything you're talking about with her and Zandy and all that jazz. I just, I gotta, I gotta see some steps before I give anything better than a, a D, I guess. Right. And, and, and to, you know, to put a fine point on it though, the, the, there is a difference between, um, signing Chechi and signing Marine is that, uh, Marine got a two year contract and she got it at the, uh, the three year vet minimum, which, you know, it requires buy-in from both, uh, player and organization organization buying into the player being a part of their future and player buying into the organization as part of their future. So I think there's there's less risk for New York in their signing of Marine rather than in Minnesota's signing of Chechi because, you know, Zandalacini could come over here, have a massive year, and then decide, well, you know, I didn't I didn't want to be in I want to be in Minnesota next year and I'm not coming over or, you know, other other things like that. Whereas in New York she is here for two years. She's going to play for two years in New York unless they, they cut her or whatever. Um, so it, it, it's, it's fine points, but I, I was interested in, in what you were thinking was and what your thinking was on their grade. Okay, we got to move on. Um, Phoenix. All right, we're on to Phoenix. This one, this was a really tough team to grade. Uh, they're the second toughest um, behind Connecticut for me. I, I gave them a B-. minus. Um, obviously, you know, you have to start with them losing Dewana Bonner. That's a huge loss. Dewana Bonner is a superstar in this league. Uh, it seems like they wanted her back because who wouldn't want Dewana Bonner back on their team? Um, but she wanted a new experience, and they did a really good job of, you know, working with her, making sure that they could get something that they wanted out of her leaving, even though that she, she didn't have to do that for them. She could have gone to Connecticut and signed the Minimax, but she won Supermax. The team wanted value back for her. They did a great job coming together on that, but still losing Bonner is a huge loss. Uh, but, you know, they kind of just replaced her with another superstar in this league in Skylar Diggins-Smith, who fits great around Brittany Griner. Uh, I think that's going to be an amazing pairing. I think there's a lot of uh, different ways to use Skylar, Brittany, and uh, Diana Taurasi. And they also get huge points for bringing back Griner on a three-year Supermax. There was some fear that she um, may not come back. She had made some comments after last year that kind of indicated that she was she was a little upset with the WNBA, but she's not upset with the Phoenix Mercury, which is great for them. She'll be there for the next three years. Um, so all that's really positive. I also thought acquiring Jessica Breland and Nia Coffey for Brian January, great move. Um, I thought losing Leilani Mitchell stings. So if we're if we're just doing those things, we're just talking about that. This grade may be a little bit higher. The big thing I took points off for was uh, giving Bria Hartley a max deal, not for signing Bria Hartley. I like Bria Hartley. Bria Hartley could fit really well into this team. She's a really good player, and I think she's going to get better too. But to sign her to a three-year protected max deal is what you give to a star, um, and. Up to this point, Bria Hartley has not been a star in this league. Uh, you know, maybe they see something that's a little different in her than we see, but she hasn't been a star yet. And they gave her star money 
And going forward, you know, depending on what happens with Diana Taurasi, who's in the last year of her contract, they're going to have a really, really tough time if finding another star if Rhea Hartley is not that third or fourth star on this team. Um, and she doesn't have to be, you know, someone who's scoring 20 points a night. She has to be someone who's giving really solid minutes. And while I'm saying really solid, I'm talking about, you know, championship level minutes from a player who has yet to show that. Um, so I, I think it was a bit, it was a big overpay. I think it really is going to hamstring them going um, down the line in the future. I, I think it's going to cost them a lot um, as far as bringing in new players. And it cost them a lot this year as far as having a very strong bench. Nia Coffey right now is their most proven uh, bench player, depending on how you feel about Kiavon, who has not, who did not play last year. Um, and they just really have a, a thin bench, and it's something that's going to come up in the regular season, less so in the playoffs, and they'll make the playoffs probably. Um, so it's it just they really went all in on Skylar Diggins-Smith, but they don't have a bench. They don't really have a great plan for the future, and I don't think that this team can win the title this year. So it's a little different than what LA did going it going all in than what Phoenix did going all in. So I gave them a B minus. Still a positive offseason. If you can if you can lose to Wanna Bonner and, and arguably not get that much worse, that's a big win. But it's a B minus because you know they've hamstringed their flexibility going forward. Yeah, that, that's an interesting point, and, and I agree. They're similar to Connecticut where it's just confusing because at any given time you could have kind of stopped the clock and said, okay, what's their grade now? And then 10 minutes later, a week later, uh, it's completely different. So how do we go about deciding you know, what this grade is? Are we basing it on comparing it to last year's team? Are we basing it on, okay, what's the makeup of the league now, and, and are they better equipped for that? For me, honestly, the, the hardest thing – and for this one is spacing with the Phoenix Mercury has always been my biggest question mark on this team um, and not giving Duana Bonner the ability to kind of just free for all uh, in the same ways that we've seen Candace Parker have that ability. Same with Brianna Stewart, same with Elena Deladon. Um, so I think to a degree, this is going to be better. So I'm going to, I've been a little negative this episode. I'm going to go positive here and I'm going to go B plus on this one. All right. I think we're all in that B range. I'm going to give it a solid B. Um, you know, the, you guys have excellent, excellent takes on kind of this whole thing. So I don't want to be too long winded with it, but I, it is a little bit confusing. You know, obviously d losing Duana Bonner sucks. Um, that really, really, really sucks in terms of this team and what, what we've become accustomed to seeing and um, how we project them, you know, if they're all healthy and back and talking about Tarazi returning with the whole dynamic, you know, that, that no longer exists anymore. But if there could be a better piece to add to this team, I, I, I really don't think there is. Um, so the, the, the signing of Skylar Diggins-Smith was, was incredible. You know, that, that was exciting. I think it was a great fit. I'm really excited to see the dynamic, you know, of, of all of those big three pieces. Um, you know, I think they answered the question of, losing Bonner fairly well about about as well as you could you can you can never truly replace a Dewana Bonner and what she brought to the floor both on both ends of the floor because of just the the player that she is but you know you you answered that question with Jessica Breland who has shown at moments in this league to be like a, a, a really consistent steady player I mean I don't know how much longer she has left 
but man, I mean, Atlanta's first year when, when Nikki Cowan was there, I mean, Breland was a huge reason they had their success. So she, she's a ex- very experienced. I think she knows how to play well with a player like Griner. I think you answer that question with a younger player, Nia Coffey, you know, ver- for, with who, who brings some versatility to, to that position as well. So, you know, a little bit of, um, patchwork there um in terms of how does this look from that three four perspective while playing alongside Griner um you know and you and you help a little bit with the youth and Nia Coffey um Brienne January I've really loved her <laughs> on Phoenix I'm, I'm really high on her I think you know she she did a tremendous job last year um leading this team so I, I do think that hurts like a little bit but obviously um it's going to be completely overshadowed and should be by Skylar Diggins Smith and Bria Hartley. Gabe, you said it perfectly. You know, that the money that Bria Hartley got, I mean, damn, <laughs> she got paid, you know, and, and I'm really happy for her. That's awesome. Good for her. Good and for I'm, her. Yeah, I mean, it, it really shows, you know, that they really see something in her, which I think is incredible. And, and I think we've all, we've all seen it in some point or another in her career. Is that, but are, do we have these question marks because just what she's shown with New York um, so this, that, that's a huge question mark to me, you know, kind of how does Phoenix view her? How do they plan on playing her? What does that look like? Um, it is a huge one for me. And I think a lot rests on her shoulders with a, with a contract like that. Uh, but you know, at, at the end of the day, it's solid. It's good. Um, you have some really f- groundbreaking blow the roof off the, you know, moves in Skylar Diggins, and then you have a detrimental loss in Bonner. So it kind of evens itself out, but overall solid. Um, I think they answered some questions, but at the same time they left some questions. So I give them a B. Yeah, no. And I think the, on the Bonner thing, it's like, well, how much can we really take away from them? If they, if they offered her the super max and they, they seemingly did, we, you know, that's what it seemed like when uh, Sandy came on the podcast, what, a week ago, two weeks ago. Um, and she was talking about how they wanted Bonner back. So yeah, I can't, I didn't take too many points off for losing Bonner. Um, and they did, they did a good job. So yeah, B, a B minus um, for them. The moving on to the Seattle storm. Um, so I gave them a B minus as well. I kind of said it's because they didn't do anything. Uh, I'm going to actually downgrade them because I saw uh Epiphany Prince's contract is worth one hundred and fifteen thousand dollars in twenty twenty, um, and uh, I think Richard Cohen on his latest thing for her hoops, uh, for her hoop stats, he mentioned that if they had just signed her for like two thousand dollars less, um, they'd be able to fit in their first round pick, which is going to be eleven. As it stands right now. They can't fit in both Princess contract and that first overall, I mean, that 11th overall pick. So right now they just can't keep the 11th overall pick, which is not a big deal if they're bringing in uh, some their draft pick from last year. Um, but, you know, that that is uh, a, a detriment. So I actually knocked them down. Um, oh, I guess I had them in a B minus. So they're at a C plus. They get a C plus. Um, but the, the two big things they did was uh, bringing back Brianna Stewart, two-year max deal so she can be eligible for the super max after her fifth year of service, which would be in 2021. Um, they also brought back Sue Bird who on a one-year super max, um, which, you know, great. That's awesome. Uh, again, I think what we, what we were talking about earlier is that resignings don't necessarily move the needle as much because you're maintaining the status quo. Uh, the one move that they did make was uh, essentially swapping Morgan Tuck out for Kalina Mosqueda Lewis. They they sent 
KML to Connecticut for a 2021 first, and they got Morgan Tuck for about four spots in the draft. Uh, they traded from seventh to eleventh. Um, so, you know, it, overall they did some good stuff. I think that Prince contract is crazy. Um, it, it's a, it's a lot, um, but it, it's it's not damning because they could cut her. Um, so we'll see. We'll see what happens with their with their first round pick and what happens in training camp. But bringing back Brianna Stewart, bringing back Sue Bird, you can run it back, and I'd still feel very confident in this team competing for a title. Well, they're an interesting one in their own way because you know last year I think you can almost chalk that up to not even a season for them, and somehow they played remarkably um, and and were able to make the playoffs. But you bring back Sue Bird, healthy. You bring back Stewie, healthy. Um, obviously those are steps closer, like you said, and like I said, we're not necessarily moving the needle, uh, with re-signings. Um, so for them, like, honestly, I'm giving them a C cause I'm, I'm pretty jury out on the whole, uh, KML and the whole, uh, signing of Morgan Tuck, um, or trade for Morgan Tuck. Like I, I I'm, I, I'm more in the K, KML band. Um, so I'm, I'm a little bit. You know, I don't want to give them any positivity for that. I'm still out on that. Um, but yeah, no, I I just feel like you basically health. The the bigger thing that happened to them this offseason is healthiness uh, versus doing some big free agency moves. And there's something to be said for that. I mean, like right before they were unhealthy, they were the defending champs that everybody kind of ex- anticipated and expected to run it back. Uh, so, yeah, I'm rolling with them with like a C, I guess. I'm going to give them a B. I'm just like throwing out B's left and right today, apparently. But I, I, the, 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 the storm didn't have to make any crazy moves, in my opinion. Um, you know, I mean, it was a term, it was a matter of health last year and just getting back your franchise players. Um, I love the acquisition of Morgan Tuck. I think that's a great fit. She like has Seattle storm written all over her. Um, so I think that was a really good sign. She brings a, a ton of um, interior presence, but versatility. Uh, playing alongside, um, you know, that 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 storm roster, I think, is really solid. Um, but it doesn't need to be anything crazy, you know. I didn't. I guess I didn't really expect it to be. I mean, you know, I don't like like if we were to sit here and say, what does Seattle need to do to get closer to a championship in 2020. Well, that's getting Brianna Stewart and Sue Bird back. So um, putting really solid pieces around them and keeping that core and um, players who are skilled and bought in and, and those pieces that, that just fit is it's about managing it at this point. Um, maybe I'm being a little too generous because we all are talking about just really aggressive moves, but um, I think they did what they had to do. I, I give them a B. Yeah, it's it, it, it's interesting. Actually, once we do Washington, I do kind of want to talk about how our grading, like, because I think a lot of it, we have like very similar views on the moves themselves, but our grades are different. Um, but let's finish up. Let's finish up with Washington. Um, REA and I's home base team, the champs. Uh, I gave them a C minus um, because, look, all right. So they the good the good parts were. They resigned the land Deladon for a four-year supermax. That is by far the biggest move of their offseason. Um, it was not uh, unexpected by any means. It was not um, something that people didn't see coming, but it's still nice to have her back and locked in for four years. Uh, they brought in Leilani Mitchell on a pretty team-friendly contract, 127 
1,000 in 2020, 123, 500 in 2021, which allows them a little bit more space to re-sign a bunch of players that are going to be free agents next year. Now the bad. Uh, the bad was losing Christy Tolliver, as we mentioned at the top, for as good of an acquisition as that was for L.A. It's as bad um, for Washington. I think she does. She did a lot for that team last year, and, and it wasn't just you know her shot creation. It wasn't just her shot making. It wasn't just the fact that she was a big part of the of the chemistry, but she was someone who, um, when the team needed a big play, they turned to Christy. Whether that big play was you know, making a big shot, was making a big pass, was trying to do something crazy that led to a turnover. Um, you know, it, it's the, she was, she had an unpredictability about her, but in those big moments, that team really trusted her. So to me, it's a huge loss to their 2020 um, title chances losing Christy Tolliver. I understand why they had to let, let her go. She had a three-year max contract in a different place. And, you know, it would have really impeded their chances to sign those players that um, they need to sign next year, which includes Latoya Sanders, Natasha Cloud, Ariel Powers, Tiana Hawkins, Jatori Walker Kimbrough. Like, this is a lot of players that are going to come up without a contract next year. So I understand why they couldn't bring back Christy, but there's no doubt that it was, it was a, um, it's a blow to their 2020 title odds. The second demerit that I gave to them was for uh, Emma Mieseman, which again, this isn't their fault, but she only signed a one-year deal. Um, Emma, you know, she's taken, she's taken a year off in the past. She wanted to, uh, she signed the one-year contract to um, just see how everything's going next year after this season. Um, I don't know what that means. We, none of us know what that means. Uh, she could just be deciding if she wants to continue playing professional basketball. She's been playing for a very long time. She could be deciding whether she wants to play here uh, in Washington or, or go to another team after next year, or she could even be deciding to go back to play in Europe um, where the money might be better. And especially with the prioritization clauses in the new CBA, it could be a problem for her to have to play, to have to um, play in both leagues. So she may have to pick one. Um, so it, it's really scary. That's not necessarily Mystic's fault, but it is a knock on their off season. Um, so they get a C minus. Uh, I think they got worse, but they dealt with um, the situation as, as best they could. I, I think that it was overall not bad decision making. It was just the circumstances um, were not great for them, and we'll have to really see what happens uh, going into next year. But you know, they still have a chance to win the title as long as EDD's healthy. That's a true for every year. Yeah, no, I agree with you. It's an interesting one, like we talked about with a variety of other teams, where it's like at any point, uh, you know, what, at what point are we saying from this point forward, whatever, whatever. Um, I'm, I've been historically negative on the Mystics, um, and I'm going to flip that script today and give them a B. Uh, I'm going to pull a Rachel and throw a B out, uh, only because, like, all right, yeah, Tolliver leaving, I, I don't like the idea of giving her that amount of money that LA did. Uh, if they could have, um, but I really like the signing of Leilani. Uh, I think it kind of uh, like, you know, me, Rachel and I have been extremely vocal about our issues with Christy Tolliver. Mm -hmm. she, she has a huge positive side. She has a negative side too, that a lot of people don't like to talk about unless your name is Rachel Gallagher or Ari Schwartz. Um, that being said, I do like uh, the adding of Leilani. I think it's going to open up and speed this team up a little bit. Um, I'm just excited to see how Deladon and Emma 
uh, can kind of keep up with the speed that this team is about to have. Yeah, I mean, I I think C- minus is a little harsh. I'm going to give them a C+. Plus. Um, I don't think this is a team you have to do a ton with. Obviously, you know, you, you think about a name like Christy Tolliver, and I'm not not trying to take anything away from Christy Tolliver. I think she's a phenomenal um, athlete. I love, I've loved watching her play for a very long time. It's just the dynamic sometimes and the shot selection with this roster. It was high risk, you know, high, re- high reward. It, it just, for whatever reason, you know, Ari and I have been kind of critical. Uh, you live and die in, in certain scenarios um, with some of those shots. And, and it was like, you almost felt like you could kind of get shot out of the game a little bit. And you saw at times maybe frustrations with teammates. I could be completely making that up. It's just kind of a feel. It's hard for me to put into words. So um, I, I'm not as upset with Christy Tolliver going to LA. I think it's phenomenal. Um, as, as you are, Gabe, I think that was a lot harder on you than it was um, anyone else. You know, obviously Elena Deladon's health is something that is the, is the most important aspect here. And we talk about the progression of Emma Misaman and kind of the player that she is becoming. Um, I love Lilani Mitchell, huge loss for Phoenix. Um, and she has really proven to be kind of a, a little spark plug, you know, um, that, that, that really buys into systems, extremely um, fun to watch and plays well with other players in this league. So I think that's, you know, that does kind of patch that up quite a bit, losing a player with the experience and the, and the IQ of Christy Tolliver is, is not going to happen, but you can kind of patch that up with it, something a little bit different. Um, and I like this. I think, you know, we, we have to talk about Washington and this high octane offense and um, they're going to be in, in the conversation of, of repeating just because of, you know, what this team is and, and the superstars that are on it. So I'm not as critical on their off season um, as is kind of this is. I, I give them a C plus. Um, no huge moves, um, but all good moves. And I, I think that that at the end of the day, the loss of Chris Tolliver is a win win for both parties. Yeah, um, you know, I, I don't know about win win. I, I think because they, it's actually interesting because Coach T somewhere had mentioned that uh, they were actually targeting Mitchell before they lost Tolliver. Um, so it wasn't necessarily a, a replacement move. Um, obviously, I, I'm really high on Christy Tolliver. Uh, I actually um, had put in an offer for a jersey on eBay before free agency started. And then like two days after um, after Tolliver left, that offer for a Christy Tolliver with a Mystics jersey came through and was accepted. And then I had to buy the jersey. Um, and now I have a Christy Tolliver mystics jersey finally three days after she left the team um but regardless the the issue for me was i think the the differences in our grades are due to the our differences in like philosophy of grading which i found really interesting so if we could you know indulge me for a second here but i gave them a c minus because the way i look at it is a c is neutral if you do nothing indiana if you do nothing you get a c because that's Hey, we didn't get worse. We didn't get better. We didn't do anything detrimental. We didn't do anything great. You get a C. So for Washington, it's like, well, losing Christy Tolliver knocks them down, makes them worse. But the other stuff kind of pushes their grade up to where it is a C a C plus. Um, so I thought it was really interesting to see like how we all viewed each offseason differently, even though we kind of have similar opinions on the moves. Um so I, I, I want to keep track of that. I think we're going we're gonna to come back 
at some point in the season to to check on these grades and talk about how we feel about these off seasons after you know maybe the midpoint of next season and after the end of next season um, to kind of look back at and see well this is where our grades faltered this is where our philosophies were different and this is why maybe we want to change our grades going back so I, I thought this exercise was really fun yeah no it was super interesting it's also it, it's each team is so complicated in its own way right. uh, that it, it's we're definitely going to have to uh, reevaluate it midway through the season or, you know, maybe after the draft. And then again, during the season, um, it'll be an interesting one. It's also, honestly, it's one of those things that even probably next year we'll have to reevaluate because this with the new CBA, I do strongly believe that this was kind of a, uh, a, a pilot run, a test run as you were uh, for how free agency is going to be in the future and, and what we're going to see in the future. Well, as we always say, we believe the players of the W and its community deserve the same in-depth analysis and respect that men's sports receive on a daily basis. With that in mind, please consider joining our Patreon community to help support us and the hard work that we do.